Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. I'm Will, that's Blake, and today we're here to talk a little critical role. You sound like you have a cold. I kind of do. You sound, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, but you know, I do kind of have a little bit of a, you know, congestion thing going on. Don't you love how like in 2020, anytime there was like this, is that COVID? Do you have COVID? <laughs> like, if you sneeze on, like, a, in a public space, you're just like, sorry, sorry. Everyone backs away, like, 10 feet. Yeah. Yeah, you sound rough, though, today, man. I'm sorry to... I'm sorry for, for you. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, for what it's worth, I feel fine. Like, I'm not like... Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I just got a little, you know, something going on up here. Yeah. Um, well, your your beard is good. So you do have something going on. I'm good at finding shortcuts <laughs> around this part of town. <laughs> so, and I, I don't know if I have you turned down or not, but also you're a little quiet, which that may oh, just yeah. be me. Sorry, we probably should have worked this out. This is so like <laughs> on brand for us, <laughs> but um, it's probably just me. Don't worry okay. about it. Just ignore it. <laughs> All right. I don't think I, I didn't change anything on my end. But, I think it's you know. just your voice is just throwing. I'm going to need yeah. you to, to fix your voice. Uh, just moving right. forward. So maybe I could get a little uh, neti pot or something going. Uh, yeah. Okay. Have well, you ever done I, one I, of those? Is that the thing that goes up your nose? Yeah, I've never done one, but I've I have. Been, I how? did one. Um, so when I worked at summer camp, I got like a really bad. I think it was pneumonia in hindsight, but this was like back in the day where like you'd get sick and your boss. Like I remember being really sick, and my boss was like, "You got cissyitis." And like, you what? know, I'm like deeply ill. He <laughs> wants you to go be around a bunch of kids. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So it's, it just was a weird time. But um, yeah, I had a friend who worked there who had, who, <laughs> you got to get that last little, uh, <laughs> you had to get that last uh in there. <laughs> I don't know why it tickled me so much. <laughs> anyway, so I had a friend who had one and, um, I thought he was pranking me, but he was like, yeah, you just, you just pour this in your nose. And I was like, all right. Um, and it actually, it did help, helped a lot actually. But, um, it was like my nightly ritual. Um, cause I was really sick for like maybe a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely should have gone home. <laughs> <laughs> should not have been there. <laughs> well, Hey, we live but, and learn. Yeah. So <laughs> other than that though, um, how is your day going? So far, so good. You know, um, I got my coffee, which I just, it was very, very hot, but now it has reached optimal sipping status. I am a little late on my sipping status because um, I got it ready. I set it down and then I was doing a little bit of work oh. before our we started our call. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now it's like a little chilly, yeah. than, chillier than I need. And then. My wife has a friend over, so like I can't leave the room, you know. <laughs> then I'd have to talk to them, and so I'm just stuck with my cold coffee. Yeah. I guess so. I hate I hate it when that happens. Which I know you can't leave the room, so you can't when do people this. Come over, yeah. <laughs> but what I usually do if that happens is I'll just like go get some ice and just go all the way and like try to trick myself into I have an iced coffee. I don't like iced coffees. 
Oh, really? I know there's going to be another thing. I just, <laughs> I just, I just don't get it. I, I don't think. Well, it's just a, I mean, I, if you level the playing field, I'm a hot coffee guy for sure. <laughs> but it's just like, sometimes if you really want your coffee and it's like 90 degrees outside, it's nice to have a, an iced coffee. You know, yeah. Just I so will you're not say, like sweating and drinking ultra hot. I, I, now that I think about it, I take it back because I do from Seven Brew. I get a my wife gets a drink for me there. That's always I've never thought of it as a nice coffee, but it is a nice coffee because um, it's a coffee drink with ice in it. So yeah. <laughs> um, but there, I think they like load it up with like syrup or sugar because I cannot help myself. I gulp that thing down in about twelve <laughs> seconds. So yeah. I can't I, just sip it. Yeah. I can only imagine that those they usually do it up big at those types of places. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you're a black coffee kind of guy. Yep. We talked about this on the show. Yep. Yeah. How about you guys listening? How do you guys like your coffee? Do you drink coffee? Yeah. I wasn't really a coffee guy until after college, really. Same. I didn't have my first cup of coffee ever in my life until after college. Yeah, oh, that's Which weird. Probably, a, well, didn't you just say the same was true of you? I just mean I didn't like, I didn't mean I didn't like, didn't drink it on the reg. Oh. I didn't drink it on the reg. I had tried it. Oh. You barbarian. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't. I feel like I, like, no one in my family drank coffee, like, growing up. Do you remember, do you remember me with cheese dip as a kid? <laughs> yeah. Mike would never a, eat cheese dip because he had a bad experience one time. And I was like, dude, just try it again. <laughs> It's so and good. Now, yeah, it is so good. All right. What are we doing today? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. So I think today, um, for those of you joining, we're talking Critical Role episode 55 today, uh, Hope Within History. And um, do we have any announcements before we jump into talking about the show today? Uh, we do have a couple really quick I wanted to uh, cover. Oh, yeah, please do. Uh, first, I just wanted to I felt appropriate. Maybe it's not. Maybe don't spend too much time on it, I guess. But I figured we would briefly talk about Creator Clash. Um, that happened this past weekend. Marisha finally had her fight. Um, Blake and I were both watching it. Um, it was it was cool to see. Um, I, I tweeted of, something similar to this. Like, yeah. ultra proud of Marisha. She's a freaking warrior for going the distance. Um, but it was a bit like hard to watch just because uh there was such a gap in experience like Haley, i think that's her yes opponent. she had already done a creator clash yeah right? she did it last year so she's had yeah, yeah. All t like whatever training time plus a whole additional year over right marisha yeah. and i just think that that really you could tell um yeah but <clears throat> uh like i said champion for making it the full five rounds given that fact um you know, she basically is a bow out there. Uh, but my like favorite part of the whole thing was just like watching the, all the cast come out in like the robes and stuff. And they had that yeah. like handoff of the sword. <laughs> um, but especially Travis, like sitting like right behind you the could, corner and you could hear you could him hear. like distinctly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could hear him. I thought that was really great. Yeah, me too. It's fun how these people are like best friends in real life, which is obvious, I guess, to say, but I don't know. It's just it's it kind of just brings me back to the roots of like this is a D&D &D table who they they like playing D&D &D together. Yeah. Yeah, for so. sure. They really are, like, you know, it's not it's not a fake chemistry for the show or anything. They definitely right. are really yeah. are that close, which is just, you know, fun to see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, 
that's really all I had to say about it. Unless you had anything else to say, I just figured we'd no, briefly yeah. mention it. Um, and then the only other thing is, <clears throat> if you guys missed it yesterday, there was finally the trailer for the next season of Dimension Twenty, which uh, Matt Mercer is going to be at the helm of. Um, and you know, I won't describe the trailer. You can go watch it yourselves. But the gist of it is, it's going to be a prequel series to another. Uh, D20 campaign, um, and to my understanding, a fan favorite campaign, uh, A Crown yeah. of Candy. So <laughs> I thought it was funny that, you know, they brought Brennan on and he kind of did this prequel campaign in Calamity. And now they're having Matt on their show and he's kind of doing an equivalent thing. Um, so I'm excited to check that out. I think it starts sometimes next month. Um, we got to, well, let me, maybe I'll, asked this to the to people in the channel mm -hmm. um i think will and i have agreed we really want to watch um a crown of candy do and this is to even to you will do you think we need to watch it and or finish it before the prequel or i guess it'd just be good good to do right because yeah. i really want to watch it's called the the ravening war the raven the ravening war. yeah i think so i don't know how to pronounce things the ravening war i think <laughs> um but um yeah i <clears throat> i was having the same thought since it is a prequel it seems like you don't have to have seen it you know in the same way where if it was a sequel you know um but i think there obviously probably will be some references and like world building that you might might go over yeah. your head if you haven't seen it um so i i think i i don't know how long the campaign is like i don't know how much of a commitment it would be to say like I'm going to watch it before this new one comes out. They're obviously way shorter than something like critical role. So I think it is probably feasible, but I haven't actually looked into it. So I don't know. Um, yeah. But one thing off the top of my, my head, which again, don't know if this will happen. Don't know if it's feasible. Um, but for those of you like Blake and I, who, you know, come from critical role and maybe haven't seen D 20 or at least haven't seen this original uh, crown of candy campaign, maybe thinking about doing some like watch parties in the discord to catch up before, before yeah, be D 20 starts. So if that interests you, just, you know, join the discord if you haven't already and keep an eye on that. Um, but yeah, excited for that for sure. And yeah. other than that, I think, I think that's all I got. Okay, cool. Well, fam, whenever we jump into um, a discussion about a critical role episode, we like to do a little bit of a recap Episodes can be kind of long, and so we like to do just a 10 to 15 minute, here's what happened. And so we also like to split that off as a separate video if you want to watch just the recaps. So if you are watching just the recap video, um, there'll be a link in the description that has a full breakdown of our thoughts on the episode. Uh, and if you have thoughts on the episode too, we want to know what you think. So let us know in the comments as well. Um, so this was episode 55, Hope within history uh and we are essentially picking up from where we left previously which was um by the way well your throat clear is picking up in the <laughs> in the microphone oh i'm way. sorry i thought i would just settle that now before <laughs> before we go through the whole recap okay but, yeah i'm sorry no you're good um so we pick up right after the events at the dno emporium and if you recall, the party basically helped um, uh, Chetney's former boss, 
partner, Ultgar, uh, with firebugs. And now the party is heading to the diarchy, the king and queen, to basically um, discuss the situation with the bull and figure out what happens next. So the party begins making their way to the citadel, and it's here that they explore kind of the relationship of the diarchy. If you remember um, what was discussed um, in a previous episode, and we get more clarity here, whenever uh, Melesmere fell and the elves left, they were welcomed into Uthodurn, and that is really where the diarchy started. Uh, so we have an elven king and a dwarven queen. However, it doesn't seem, it seems to be political in nature. It doesn't seem to be romantic, and in fact, uh, the party kind of questions how odd it is that well, why why haven't they consummated their their relationship like what's going on here like are they like secretly in love are they openly in love like what does this look like uh, and this is going to be actually a, a just kind of like a fun side point for the conversation that they're going to have so all that to say, um, they make their way to the Citadel. Uh, there are a couple of interactions where guards are kind of like, well, who's that guy? Because um, if you remember, Chetney wasn't actually with the party uh, in the previous encounter. Um, but they're like, oh, he's, he's with us. It's all good. Uh, and the party basically makes their way to the diarchy where they have a conversation with um, uh, the king and queen. And the as you would expect, the king and queen are very much grateful for their help. And they begin to share more information about this celestial bull, uh, basically explaining that, yeah, this was a creature that was one of the guardians of Melesmere. And when Melesmere fell, we felt it was only appropriate to bring it here in sort of like a, a way to honor it. Uh, and the party begins to ask about, well, what exactly happened in Melesmere? And the king um, is basically like, you know, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was this toxic crawl of shadow energy uh, under this big, looming, ruinous moon, uh, to which the party, I think it's actually Abria, is like, was this during the Applebee solstice? Um, which Matt is just <laughs> like, actually, Matt's going to have a lot of interactions this episode where he's just like, really, guys? Um <laughs> And the king is basically like, you know, I never thought about it, but yeah, I think <coughs> it was during a uh, apogee solstice. Um, they also ask about Ludinus de Leth, and they explain that they had actually been on Marquette, that um, Ludinus was mostly responsible, or not mostly, was responsible for the situation they're in now. And the king basically explains, you know, Ludinus kind of kept to himself. He He really kind of kept to his own research, especially after some political drama with other individuals in Molesmere. Uh, but beyond that, uh, not really knowing much about Ludinus. Uh, they also share some more information, most notably, uh, scarily, that among the list of magics that aren't working, it seems that resurrection magic, revivify, uh, and I guess those are the two mostly, but um, oh. those those kinds of spells are not working, uh, and it's got temples in a panic, uh, and it's, as a watcher of the show, had me in a panic. <laughs> um, and then all while this conversation is happening, the um, FCG is trying to do insight checks on the king and queen, uh, trying to figure out, is there any chemistry there? Um, FCG is going to roll a high insight check. He's going to get a whisper. Um, Fern is going to do a high insight check, I think of a 30, uh, whenever they're talking about lewdness to the king, she's going to get a whisper, uh, and then there'll be another whisper that I'll mention in a second, but lots of whispers from insight checks today, yeah. uh, in this episode. Um, they also ask about the vellum steeple. Hey, is there any way we can get teleported to see our friends? And 
they're like, you know, the networks are down, like it's not working. And also another really important detail, the Apogee Solstice should have ended the day before, and yet it continues. They don't know why, but this, it seems to just be continuing on for some reason. So all that to say, um, they decide from this conversation to go to Molesmere. Uh, they get sort of directions from the king and queen. And it's going to be about a week's travel, and they have a variety of paths that they can take, but ultimately they're going to decide um, to um, uh, travel there on GOAT, uh, which we'll get to later in the episode. Uh, they do mention um, uh, Dick Drixlix and his scheme <laughs> with Altgar and provide the proof of that happening. And then also, FCG does mention in such dire times, it would be great to have a loved one to cozy up with, uh, to which there's an insight check on the king, and Imogen does detect thoughts and sees an image of a young elven man uh, in the king's mind uh, before that memory sort of vanishes, and there is like a sense of sadness, uh, to which the king basically says, you know, those times are behind me. So, kind of sad. Uh, all that to say, the party then decides to, um, they do get a mithril half plate plus one uh, as a reward, uh, which ultimately goes to FCG. And the party then decides to basically split up. Some people are going to go to the Vellum Steeple, and then Frida and FCG are going to go to uh, Jacobi's. Now in this, uh, as this party is splitting up, um, uh, Frida does steal away with Diana Deanna for a second and basically he's like, hey, I think I have a crush on FCG. I've never met anyone like him. Yeah, it gets a little, a little spicy here. <laughs> um, and there's this, this natural chemistry between them because they are Aormatons. They, in FCG's case, has never met anyone like themselves. Um, and Deanna basically gives her blessing. is like, I love you. I'm happy for you. I hope it works out. Over at the Vellum Steeple, uh, they do meet the Scribe Warden Uvisik, I think. Uh, who was the um, sort of pompous woman that they had met in the previous episode who was like, we don't know what's going on. And as they arrive, the scribe warden basically hands over a file on Ludinus Deleth and is like, here's everything we know on Ludinus. And from this file, they find out a couple of things. They find out that Ludinus is actually not originally from Molesmere, but actually came from a small town uh, in, Is in Isilra um, and actually traveled to Molesmere um, later on where he set up his home and that Ludinus was also kind of a nobody and until there were these two competing factions of wizards that basically these factions broke out into all-out war on an evening called the Eve of Crimson Midnight uh, and that Ludinus was basically the hero who stopped this conflict and because of that was able to leverage um, the creation of the, the Cerberus Assembly was able to presumably get funding or at least had the the clout to begin to explore other arcane things and really actually eventually became a bit of a thorn in the side in a, in a number of uh, temples and other political factions to the point where he eventually sort of secluded himself, as we heard from the king, uh, in his, um, I'd say like in his home, um, the Guild Hollow or... I can't remember the name for it. I don't know if you do either, but something um, like some yeah, something like that. A, a place within Molesmere that he basically hung out. Yeah. <laughs> so and ultimately, um, 
whenever uh, Molesmir fell, uh, went full-time into the Cerberus Assembly and eventually became known as its eldest member. So, meanwhile, um, they do meet, uh, the Scrubborn does in introduce them to this, um, this guards person who is deeply experienced on the Savalier Woods in Molesmir, and this person basically, um, Matt describes as basically Troy Baker <laughs> and yeah. um, Troy Baker is basically like, yeah, you guys are crazy for wanting to go. It's extremely dangerous, uh, but best of luck. Just know that it's going to be like extremely dangerous. And um, there is an insight check on, you know, what do you know about God eaters uh, to which another whisper happens, uh, which we don't know what exactly. Meanwhile, at Jacobi's, uh, before FCG and Frida go in, Frida basically confesses their affection for FCG, and FCG uh, returns it and is basically like, "Yeah, like I feel, I do feel a connection to you. I do feel this is special. I've never met anyone like you." Uh, FCG goes in for a little bit of a kiss, to which uh, Frida goes in for a little bit of a kiss, to which FCG turns <laughs> to meet the kiss full on. What a and this is probably the only like sincere moment of disappointment i've seen from matt because fcg mentions their flesh tongue um <laughs> being involved in the kiss and there's just a look of disgust on matt's face he's like there is no tongue you have no tongue <laughs> um they go in they meet jacoby and jacoby is just it's it's like a messy workshop but he's this very um upbeat tinkerer and just like with frida they pop open the front plate of FCG and they look to reveal FCG's true name or true designation, Faithful Caregiver, which was just a really sweet moment. Um, all this to say, in their conversation, they talk about, hey, can, can I get some, or Frida even mentions like, hey, uh, FCG wants legs like me. And Jackie's like, this that would take a little bit of work. Um, you know, we can see what we can do. But in the meantime, they do agree to get the mithril half plate attached to FCG. Um, and then from there, they decide to all go meet up back at um, their next destination, um, a clothing shop, which we go to break. And then, Will, you want to take it from there? Yes, sir. Um, good job. So we pick back up with um, the other part of the crew headed to Catlin's, Catlin's Clothiers, um, or, or Clothiers. I don't know how you say it. Um, and on the way, Chet pulls Imogen aside and asks how, just asks how she's been doing with all of this, you know, specifically with her mom's role um, and what happened. And Imogen says that, you know, her mom's always been a comforting voice, like in her dreams, you know, telling her to run and get away from here. Um, <clears throat> but she's having to reconcile that with the fact that, you know, she really did help Ludinus make all of this happen. So, you know, maybe she should have just fought her when they ran into her at the solstice. Um, and Chet asks, well, if we get a second chance, like, do you want us to like take out your mom essentially? And Imogen says she's not sure. Um, <clears throat> but she does say if, if Ladna, Orm and Ashton like are gone because of what's happened, then yes, like let's take her down. Meanwhile, back at, um, Jacoby's FCG finishes getting the mithril half plate integrated into themselves, um, like getting that armor essentially. And um, <clears throat> Frida asks Jacoby about the possibility of using their power core to help, like, empower Arcana. Um, 
And Jacoby's like, maybe. Um, and I think he does give like this cable that could connect to their power core and then might possibly be able to connect to like specific prepared enchantments. Um, but Frida's like wondering, like, can we use this to communicate with the other team, team AOL? And Jacoby's like, that's not my realm of expertise. Like, I don't know. So uh, then we cut back to um, Deanna and she quickly ducks into the light above Sanctum, which is a temple to the Dawnfather and speaks with Evodon Leeds. Um, and uh, this is like one of the, the priests, if you will, of this temple. And he actually asks her like, hey, have you felt your connection to the Dawnfather diminish? And Deanna actually lies and says no. Um, and he says, oh, well, you're lucky because um, his connection has been severed and he and many others are very worried. Um, Deanna actually gives him the 500 gold that she got from the uh, from Oltgar and doing the toy mission. And she tells him, hey, like, you're not alone. You know, use this money, reach out, help those around you. And <clears throat> then they take their leave. The crew then actually makes it to Catlin's and they present the royal decree, which, you know, gives them free stuff, basically. Uh, and she doesn't believe them at first, but then she like inspects the royal seal like over a firelight and can tell that it's legit. So she's then more than happy to help them. And basically just dollar signs. <laughs> yeah, she does. And she basically then just says or Matt says, rather, just describe to me like what you're the clothes you want um, and we can get those made. So to quickly run through what people get here, um, Chetney gets like this velvety track suit uh, complete with like sweatband and armbands that uh, <laughs> and will, hoodie yeah, and hoodie that will <laughs> yeah. um, grow and retract kind of like the Hulk. So when he transforms yeah. into a werewolf, his clothes won't rip. Um, Imogen asks for like this sheer flowy dress with um, long, like fitted sleeves, like a leather kind of armor main piece and a, uh, coat cut at the waist. I don't know what that means, uh, but with a hood. Um, FCG asks for a long kind of like jacket similar to Frida's. Um, and that's pretty much it. Deanna wants um, a green bodysuit to show off her figure. And um, Frida is... She mentions her figure is like Pixar-esque or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, like Elastigirl. But then like, yeah, dump truck bottom. <laughs> Just a funny time. Funny conversation. Yeah, for sure. This whole scene is pretty fun. Um, Frida is happy with their coat, but it is it is pretty like banged up. So they get their coat repaired. Um, in addition to that, they get FCG's name like stitched into it. And then I think... Either they get Deanna's name stitched into it as well, or it already was there. They, they already had Deanna's, and they want to have FCG's added to it. Okay, yeah. Which I'm like, man, they're fall, they're falling hard and fast. Yeah, yeah. I think Sam even jokes like, we're basically married at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk more on that in the discussion, but yeah, for sure. Um, and then Fern wants only like the finest of the fabrics and um she wants a corset which basically like the jokes made is corsets for everyone um and she wants to have exposed legs and um i think those were mainly the details that she mentioned so everyone gets their clothes made um there's a little bit of conversation on should we get some stuff made for the for the other half of the team but they're like i think imogen's like i'll think on it um but so they get their clothes and then they decide to head back to Deanna's. 
Um, <clears throat> once they make it there and they're inside, um, the party asks, hey, what were you guys doing in Isilcross? Um, which is a detail that just had come up in conversation earlier in the episode. And Deanna reveals that they were trying to find Aeor, but there were basically monsters and Jorhassian soldiers everywhere. So they couldn't really, you know, they couldn't really get that far, um, but they do want to go back at some point. The group then kind of puts together that Deanna and Frida are wanting to help them in their Malayasmir quest. They didn't expect that they would be coming with them, but they're like, of course we are. Like you guys need our help. Um, <clears throat> we are, we're coming with you. So um, Bell Cells is pleasantly surprised by this and they're like, okay, well let's rest up and we'll head out tomorrow morning after um, checking on our final couple of errands that we need to do. Um, <clears throat> but before bed, Fern um, says, Hey, I left something at the clothing store and uh, leaves. Um, but she doesn't go there. Instead, she makes her way uh, just outside of the city to a small temple like shrine to the wild mother. And there, there she asks the wild mother to talk to her friend Orem for her and just says, hey, could you tell him that we're OK and we're alive? Um, she then waits to see if the wild mother is if there's going to be any type of response. But um, and she rolls pretty high on perception. But uh all she hears is the wind. Um, so she then heads back. Um, She's like, you're probably dead. <laughs> <laughs> she, she then heads back uh, to Deanna's and like quickly, I think like wakes up Chetney that's on the couch and is basically like, hey, like if you don't make a move on Deanna, like I'm going to. Um, and, you know, this kind of catches Chet off guard. And um, then she's like, OK, well, I'm going to go return to the sleepover. And she goes back up to the room where she, Imogen, and Deanna are sharing a room. Um, <clears throat> they uh, they talk for a little bit before going to bed. And the main thing they talk about is uh, FCG and Frida's budding relationship. And so they lean like lean up to the wall to eavesdrop. And they can tell that Frida and FCG um, like share another quick kiss. And uh, Frida asks if they can draw FCG. So the next... Everyone goes to sleep. The next morning, they have breakfast. Um, FCG identifies the gloves, which I believe are the gloves they found in Drixlix's room, unless I'm confused. And he figures those to be the weave piercer gloves, which are basically these gloves that aid um, those who make spell attack rolls. Um, so they're trying to dive between Imogen and Fern, who should get those. Um, so they head into town, FCG picks up some spell components, and um, they quickly stop by the Temple of the Matron of Ravens. Chet knocks on the door, and they basically just barely crack it open, and he's like, hey, uh, can you guys still feel your god's presence? And the person says that she remains, but her thoughts are distant. Um, we trust in her plan. And then they basically like immediately close the door on them. Um, so they're like, okay, well, <clears throat> let's go get some goats. So they head to the goat farm and they present the royal seal again for six flock kept goats. And um, Matt lets the players decide, hey, you can kind of decide what your goat looks like and what their name is. So each person kind of runs through what kind of goat they would like. And um, after that, the trek to Malayas Mir officially begins. And that's where the episode ends. Episode, once again, 55, Hope Within History. And again, if you are just listening to our recap and you want to hear Blake and I dive into our full discussion, which we are going to do now, check the description box below and you can find the link to that video. All righty, my stuff. friend. Yeah. Um, All right. What'd you think? 
Quick question. Do I sound better? Like yes. The, okay. Yeah, I, I realized I was on the, in Discord, I was on the wrong mic. Oh, so that's why okay. I sounded weird. And that's also why you could hear me like coughing. Cause I, when I was oh, muting, it okay. wasn't muting Discord. So hopefully the podcast I, doesn't hear that. And it was just you, but we'll see. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, I know this does not sound how you normally sound. So, <laughs> yeah. okay. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah you I sound think, normal now. I think the recording software was always doing the right one. So hopefully, yeah, okay. hopefully and you actually no sound pretty normal now. You sounded like you had like smoked a pack before. Oh, <laughs> You know, and you were like, let's do this thing. <laughs> this podcast has withered me as a person. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, what did you think of the episode, my friend? Uh, I liked it, man. It was another um, really just fun episode. Um, <clears throat> we got our first kiss of the campaign, which Ooh. did not expect it to be FCG. Um, I know. But that was really fun. I thought, uh, which I guess we'll, we'll probably talk more in depth on that element of the episode. So I guess I'll save my thoughts, but um, uh, yeah, I liked the episode. Um, it looks like we're getting, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess again, this is probably a fit for another segment, but yeah, it, it was fun. Enjoyed the episode a bit of a shorter one, um, at least comparatively to what we've been getting recently. Um, but yeah, we kind of a, kind of a setup episode for this next little mini adventure that we're having. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I had a good time. What about you? Yeah. It's a great episode. Um, lots, you know, we're, we're, we get weak to the lore content and there was, there was a lot of really good, um, lore info Yes, uh, that I loved and, um, we'll have to talk about it. Cause I think, I think there's been a lot of like, not even so much Pepe Sylvieing on our podcast, but definitely like some far, theories that i was less confident in yeah now i'm like i'm like i always said that from the start (laughs) you know (laughs) even though back then i was like this is definitely not true but um so it has been cool to see um more content come out in terms of like backstory and history uh and um just the state of things like resurrection magic magic networking uh, but otherwise, yeah, fun episode it was a shorter episode um but a fun episode you know it's it's I say this like every episode, but putting on like the D and D player hat, mm-hmm. um, you know, you could just see the enjoyment at uh, the clothing store and um, them riffing off of each other. Um, should we get this for Orm and Ladna? Which Ashton did, often didn't get mentioned in these comments. Um, <laughs> uh, so if I'm Talson, I'd be like, "Am I a joke to you guys?" <laughs> um, but anyway, good episode. Yeah, that uh, that whole that segment where like everyone was like, "We should get something for Ladna," was really funny. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. That is true. I guess Ashton does have that awesome coat already, so maybe they just like yeah. he doesn't need anything new. <laughs> yeah. So, um, where to start today in our conversation on the episode? It's a good question. Um, I guess we could just go ahead and start with the 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 first kiss of the the campaign, the first sure. official romance. Yeah. Um. Again, you know, I mentioned this, but like was not expecting it to be FCG. Um, but I just I love the um I don't know what the right word of of like ballsiness doesn't feel like the right word, but like the 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 risk taking, I guess, of Christian yeah. as a guest to come in here and like attempt to romance like the least romantic yeah. character of the uh 
of the cast and and be successful um i just love it i feel like it's like it must be like an unspoken rule of thumb because remember erica ishii when she came in she was like there was some joke about like i'm gonna get a kiss from each of you (laughs) by the time we're done today (laughs) Um, yeah like everyone i mean robbie's still up in the air but you know there's a lot of theories around but basically every guest i think so far has kind of tried to romance one of the main cast um yeah no it was yeah it was cute and it it definitely i don't know i think this is such like a cool theme isn't the right word but like this detail of the show of like the character i'd say characters including frida now that should be the least human i guess actually seem to have like a greater expanse of emotion and depth of emotion um you know i think the romance the romance piece was really fun um fcg sort of like experiencing not anxiety but like flutters i guess Mm -hmm. i think i think sam describes fcg as like all the metal in their body like was tensing up yeah Um, and uh yeah i don't know it was just it was really sweet and um it's just it's just this cool thing that keeps happening of um and also goes back to my theory that i i really do feel like they are souls um in some way um like repurposed souls in some way but um but yeah no it was it, it was really sweet and um i'm wondering where we go from here um in the sense of it makes me nervous they're going to an extremely dangerous place um we didn't mention isil cross in the recap i don't think we know that frida and deanna have been there before swarming with hundreds of soldiers resurrection magic doesn't work I'd be really upset if Frida dies and FCG's heart gets broken is pretty much what I'm getting at. I mean, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion or anything, but like there's a lot of like, I don't know. They're going somewhere really dangerous. It's not like, it's not like Christian's going to be a permanent member of the table, you know? So like they're leaving at some point, be it if they pass away or if they just go their separate ways. So, Obviously, one of those is better than the other, but like in any case, if there, there's this like budding romance and stuff, FCG at some point is going to lose this person, yeah. you know. So like, how's that going to affect them? Um, but yeah, I, thought, I mean, I, I thought, sorry, I was just gonna say, I think it's interesting too that they mentioned um, there was I don't remember the conversation point, but it was basically like this. It was like losing someone you loved. Or no, it was like, have you ever loved someone before or something like that? Uh, and he talked about Dancer. Did you yeah. catch that? Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. I, I thought that was a, I, I guess I just didn't realize the depth of connection that they had had with uh, Dancer, which even makes it all the more tragic mm-hmm. um, of what happened there. Yeah, I clocked that as well. Um which I don't think it, and I'm, I know you weren't saying this, but I don't think that was like a romantic love, obviously, but just, no, yeah, just but love. Yeah. I, um, I call it a depth of connection. Cause it, it was in the conversation of like, um, someone very meaningful to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I'm wondering if 
I mean, Christian obviously knows like that, that he's a guest. Right. And so I feel like he's throwing up a lot of like, and we've talked about this already, but like gonna make the big sacrifice play when it, when the moment's right, which would, would fit in nicely to setting up this romance and stuff, you know? Cause I mean, again, anything can happen and you know, it, it's, it's part way the dice to decide part way, you know, them as a table with their character decisions to decide. But, um, you know, asking about the arcane core, getting all that set up, like yeah. saying like, yeah, you, like if I can help you guys get somewhere with my core, like I'll do it. Um, and then like making this really big, like romantic gesture and stuff, knowing he's not going to be a long-term part of the table. Like I'm wondering if he's like just gearing up to make a play like to- that trying to force himself into the show permanently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we joked about my little mini campaign I was part of and I was like, it's the last session. If I don't die gloriously, then <laughs> I'm going to be super disappointed. So I could see not like in a, um, it's, you know, the whole joke it's, it's, it's pre-written, it's planned. I could see, yeah, Christian definitely being like, you know, how do I want to finish my character? Um, so yeah, I, I could see some of that happening for sure. And I guess, I guess we will find out in the short term, not necessarily next episode, but, um, I'd say at least probably a few episodes from now, we would, we'll know how this all resolves. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, it seems like, you know, we're, we're setting off on this Malaya smear journey which mm-hmm. Matt kind of gave a description of how long it could take if you travel by this way, if you travel by that way. But the long and the short of it, it was just, it was like a three or four day journey just to get there. Um, About a week, I think. Okay. And then however long actually. It's a few days. I think it said it's a few days if you take the river, but that it was extremely dangerous and they ultimately decided the goats. And so it'd be about a week, I think. Okay. So a week however long they're actually there, let's just call it like a day or two just for sake of being clean. And then another week back, um, which obviously the, the travel could be fast traveled for the most part, you know, unless like, uh, yeah, I don't know that that could go fast. Um, but I wonder how many more episodes we're looking at getting with this group. Um, I think everyone's thinking that. Right. And I, I think, I think this was the episode that I finally just kind of like let go and came to terms with like, this is where we are. Um, Cause every episode I have felt like this sense of impatience of like, man, I really want to know what's happening with Ashton Orm and Ladna. Mm-hmm. And this, I think I kind of just came to terms. I wasn't like frustrated, but I could feel that tension and I was kind of just like, okay, it, this just is what it is. Um, Cause I don't think they make it to molest me or next episode. I think because there were so many details mentioned about raiders. Um, there was like an orc faction mentioned. Uh, they mentioned the Shady Creek run being um, uh, some of its inhabitants take shelter in the Savalier woods to sort of like hide their shady business. It just seems like there's going to be, um, I mean, I guess they could make it some last mirror, but I wouldn't be surprised if the journey's hijacked in some way, not long-term, but for the length of tomorrow's, not tomorrow, yeah, tonight's episode. Mm. Um, so there's that. Um, but yeah, I'm expecting 
two or three more episodes here. It seems that there's at least two or three more episodes worth of content just in this journey alone. Um, so I agree with that. I'm curious if, are we going to get the quote unquote conclusion to this arc before we swap over? Or could we perhaps get a, I like <clears throat> tonight's episode is going to be with this crew. Like I'm almost certain, but I'm wondering if, it, if let, yeah. let's just for sake of what I'm trying to talk about here, let's say we get three more episodes or four. Let's say we get four more episodes with, with this crew. Is it at all possible that two episodes from now we suddenly switch and then like, we come yeah. back together or I wonder if this will, this will complete and then we'll go to the next one type of thing. I think for the sake of um, scheduling it, uh, they're going to conclude this all together to have, they already have a Bria and Christian in the studio on a normal cadence. Um, and we already know that there will be guests with the other story, the other group, um, the AOL group. <laughs> and so I, I would be surprised if they cut away only to come back later. I, I, what, I it could right. happen, but I just think scheduling wise, it's like, let's finish what we have here. Um, I think in hindsight, it, I think in hindsight, people will look back at this arc in a positive way, but I mean, there has been criticism on this. Um, and I personally have not in a negative way, or, or harsh way, but I have felt, I said it earlier, impatient. Um, and I think some of that impatience, it's just personal opinion, but we talked about this during EXU season one, and I don't remember the exact data point it was, but we were like, it was something like, hey, if there had been like a conversation point, like the way this was described or marketed was not how it necessarily lined up. And that created a lot of frustration with people. Similarly, I wonder if a simple tweet early on would have resolved some tension of like, hey, we're going to be spending time with this group. Uh, we love Ashton, Orm, and Ladna, uh, and we'll be continuing their journey um, several episodes from now. Just to set uh, expectations. Just to set ex Yeah, and, 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 you know, and, and it, it, obviously it's not like pre- plans but just something said that's just like hey this is where we're going to be in the short term mm -hmm. uh, this is the focus in the short term and i think i think something like that just it helps people it just helps people to frame like you just said it, it sets expectations and it's like okay yeah because like when i when i at the start because i watched this episode late and so i was watching it on youtube i immediately scanned the play bar to see is is Ashton or Orm and Ladna, are they in it? Dirty little spoiler goblin. I didn't spoil spoil anything. I just looked at the preview. You pain. tried to spoiler. I just want I needed to know, you know? But like, and then I that's when I like had this moment of just like, I'm just gonna enjoy this. I'm just gonna let go what I want and just enjoy this. And I really did enjoy the episode. Yeah. And teach their own. I'm not saying everyone needs to do that, but I do think some expectation settings from a production side probably would have helped a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're, I think that's, that's right. I think it definitely would have, but I do understand why they wouldn't just in the sense of it's kind of like, I don't know if spoilery is the right word necessarily, but it kind of like 
I can't think of a better word. So it's kind yeah. of spoilery in the sense that like, hey, just so you guys know, we're going to be doing eight episodes with this group. And so people are like, wait, we're not going to see this other group for two and a half months. Like, what are they? So like, what goes on for these eight episodes type of thing? Right. Um, right. <clears throat> so like, I, I can see both sides. Like, I, I understand people that, and I mean, I miss those characters too. So like, I don't know if it's fair to call that a criticism just because I mean, I don't like fault them for the decision, the path they took, but like just inevitably, of course I miss the rest of the cast. Like, you know, um, obviously. Uh, but I, I, I agree with what you said in the sense of, I think <clears throat> coming back to this, I think pe- a lot of people that maybe are frustrated will, it'll be more palatable in like a, a rewatch scenario or a binge right. scenario. Cause I, <clears throat> And again, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anyone's viewpoint is wrong. Like everyone's entitled to their opinion and to feel how they feel about it. Totally understand. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I just think it's cool that like they're, they're doing something like this in general. Um, it's definitely gone on longer than I expected it to. Um, but I think that's honestly kind of cool. Um, I'm where I've started to land now is we had the whole creator clash thing. And I think that was maybe a factor, <clears throat> obviously. But since the whole cast has typically been in, mm-hmm. in each episode so far, like at the beginning for the announcements, I'm wondering if they are pulling, and I think we mentioned this maybe in an earlier episode, but if not like double days, like <clears throat> their team, team uh, Uthodern and team AOL, I think they've all been recording like simultaneously for the most part. And then I think because they're doing it, then the the cast could maybe take like a two or three month summer break while all these episodes are airing. Yeah. You know, I without could, uh, having yeah. to actually take a, a summer break, which is, you know, a benefit of the pre-recording schedule that we have now. Um, so that's, that's one factor that I think could maybe be playing into like why we're getting, like why it's such of a long, uh, I don't know, I'm I'm blanking here. Such a long like excursion with each team, um, so that they can kind of build up yeah. this free time, if you will. Um, I think that's definitely a a you know it's it's like the business side of running the brand in that people want time off. People, I mean, we love D and D, but I think it's fair to love D and D then also like want to take a break from your yeah yeah of course about if, if an episode's four four and a half hours long there's probably also like some buffer time at the start and at the end so i would assume you're it's a five to six hour engagement weekly mm-hmm. um you know with kids involved you know and like having to figure out babysitters and things like that yeah um, and they've got a whole like production yeah. crew of people of employees and stuff oh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And like other, other things that they're dealing with, again, just like the brand, like, like recording Vox Machina, uh, season three and mighty nine season one, like there's a lot happening here. So yeah, I could, I could definitely get on board with your idea that there's double days, double recordings and the staff's going to get like a summer break of yeah. some kind, which I think is great. Yeah. You know, so that makes that checks out for me, I think. So, so. yeah, I know. I'm sure 
people are tired of us speculating on on this by now so we can we can move on but yeah um i kind of even forgot where we were before that i guess anything else on the on the romance i do think that it's kind of like basically some puppy love and i think i think we're gonna have a, a broken heart not from like you know cheating or or moving on but from yeah. either death or like forced you know separation I think it's part of the beauty of FCG's character, their journey of they are experiencing, I said it, I said it before, like a whole, the whole range of emotions. And so I think it's always a bit weird to talk about this too, because it's, again, it's not pre-planned, but so we're just kind of just talking about like what would be punchy for us, I guess. But um, yeah, I think to experience the loss of love um, would be an interesting and I think I think Sam, I would assume, is also cognizant of that. Sam's just so gifted at um, I don't know how to describe it, like the fullness of a character. Um, yeah, I feel like Sam is a very surprising. He plays characters that very much surprise you mm. um, and connect with you. Um, so yeah, I'm on board with that too. I like that that theory. And is he gonna go berserk mode when that does happen? Like if if Frida dies specifically, like is FCG Good gonna? Point. Like, it could know. be, yeah. Because jokingly asked Matt, I say half jokingly actually, about their stress points. How yeah. are my stress points going? Um. So yeah, it could be. It could be a Serenity type <laughs> of scene where yeah. it goes full murder bot but is like mowing down like hundreds of soldiers or, <laughs> you know, it's my turn to protect you now, like full Terminator against the bad guys. Um, so I don't know. I think it'd be really interesting for sure. Um, what's going on by the way in Isocross? Isocross, is that the area around the ruins of Aeor? Yeah. So like the, the different Aeor crash sites, if you will, are, are in Isocross. Which is basically okay. like this snowy um, <clears throat> tundra. Uh, there is there are some like points of civilization there, but it's mostly wilderness. Doesn't evoke the right imagery because it's like snowy, but you know it's kind of like you know untamed land in that way. But yeah, they said there were tons of monsters, which I'm wondering if that's like the solstice. I think Matt mentioned at some point can like birth new crazy creatures and stuff uh, and tons of Jorhassian soldiers. Um, so I don't know why specifically all the soldiers would be there. I mean, that is, <clears throat> they are out there. Like, so it's not like crazy that they're there, but the, the fact that there's so many, I wonder if they're also diving into the Aorian ruins. Are they out and about because of what's going on with the solstice? Um, very curious what what the commotion the nine went there they did right mm. okay and does it seem like it's changed based on the description or was uh, it also pretty wild back no, in it, the day? It, it doesn't sound like it's changed other than the fact that i'm wondering why it's crawling with so many soldiers yeah. okay okay interesting okay yeah um yeah i don't know uh and they didn't I'm assuming that they were out there, meaning Deanna and, and Frida, to like just look for 
stuff to help Frida figure out what's going on with themselves. But I feel so like they didn't say, or did they? No, I don't think they did. I think they got kind of hijacked on like, like what was going on there, like what was happening. Because mm-hmm. didn't they say they were going because Frida was having dreams, and they wanted to like, yeah, like let's go and just see if we can figure something out. I I don't remember that, but that makes sense. That would, you know, yeah, I don't know. That would connect the dots. Um. So yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious what the Jorhassian Empire's got going on right now. Um, you know, they may be slightly more clued in. They might not be, but they might be slightly more clued in to what's going on on the whole, like regarding the solstice and stuff, especially if, especially, it, well, okay, we know that there was a beacon in the, <clears throat> in the Malleus Key, which the, the Jorhassian or the, the Kryn dynasty may or may not have known about. If they did know about it, then that's really going to have upset them because those are like the holiest of artifacts to their culture. Their They're the ones that like detected. believe in the Luxon. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but it, it's possible Ludinus had that beacon and they didn't know that he had it. Um, okay. Yeah. So I'm cur- Yeah. Just curious to know what they know and what, what exactly they've got going on. Um, but or go ahead if you're about to. I was actually gonna semi change the conversation to talk about yeah, yeah. Ludinus. Um, yeah, okay, that's what I was gonna do too. Yeah, so we got some more info on Ludinus. Um, a lot of info. It didn't seem yeah. like a lot, but it felt like a lot. Um, his backstory, kind of his rise to power in Melesmir. I thought it was really interesting the detail that he was actually from Asilra. Because mm-hmm. is Asilra where Vasselheim is? Mm-hmm. So for me, we've theorized on the podcast that could could he, how old is he? And could he have been alive during the Calamity? And maybe this event is what basically set him off on a plan to get revenge against the gods, you know, what have you. Yeah. Um, I know in the past we talked about maybe he's from Aeor. Um, to me, this this checked another box though of like, we know Vasselheim was one of the only cities, maybe the only city that could defend itself um, during the calamity. Um, could he originally be from Vasselheim maybe, or maybe was in Vasselheim or I don't know. I just thought it was interesting and thought it's a nice little detail that he's actually from the continent of where one of the only cities, the oldest city was able to survive the calamity. Yeah. The, the cradle of civilization. Um, I think Matt said he was from a town called Illido. Yeah. Which, which I don't know where that is. I don't either. I didn't that. I don't think that had ever been mentioned before. Um, and I, it wasn't on the wiki either. So I think it is new. Um, but yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing you were that that's just kind of another um, information point in this in this working theory that we have that he is, I mean, we, we, it's confirmed that he's like ancient, ancient. We just don't know the, to the extent of what, um, but yeah, to me, this was another point confirming that he probably was around back then. And we also basically got confirmation of something else we had speculated on in that the fall of Malaya Smear was because of Ludinus, like working on what he's working on right now. Still like that was yeah. you know, one step in his plan to reaching this Malleus key Pradothos plan and things just got out of hand and the corruption 
spread out this very same corruption that was found in Aeor. So again, I think that I think that connects him from the Malleus Key yeah. to Malleus Mir back to Aeor, which we know yeah. the the Malleus, the hammer Malleus or whatever from from Aeor, which is why the gods and the betrayer gods teamed up and you know tore it from the sky. I think it makes a whole lot of sense to think that Ludinus was behind each of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the fact that he was from Asilra just again makes me think, okay, he's really old and also makes me think that <clears throat> like he's kind of had to, and this is maybe just me reaching, but he's had to lie at different points to conceal his like age, you know? So right. like to most of the world, they probably assume he's from Malayas you know? Yeah. And then, but no, no, the king who was from there, he's like, oh no, he was actually from Asilra, which is probably just what he had to to say to the people in Malayasmir, which maybe he is from Asilra. I'm not saying he's not, but um, to me, all these points just kind of lined up. Um, yeah, and it does seem unusual how old he is. And um, for our listeners, something we've also theorized is, is, is he somehow manipulating Luxon Beacons to extend his lifespan to i don't know de-age himself in some way or just just extend his life i don't know um because we know he's he's been fascinated with the luxon beacons um so yeah i mean it seems like there's definitely an element of that now if it's if it's literally the the Oh my gosh, what's it called? I keep wanting to say consummation, but that's that's <laughs> something not consecution. Consecution, yeah. <laughs> is it literally consecution or has he just is he doing something else? Cuz the one thing about consecution is that you do you are like reincarnated in a sense and that you get like a new body because mm. like your soul is like you do die and then your soul is just eventually reborn, um which is entirely possible to have happened, but if he is just always remaining in the same elven body. Maybe he has found some other way. Um, he probably like cracks it open and like spoons out the jelly <laughs> on the inside and just de-ages him. Delicious. You know? <laughs> um, but along with the, the Luxon beacons and the, the Kryn dynasty, there was like, there's this whole, um, I don't know if it's fair to call it a new school of magic. It was new in the sense that like Matt made it up, but in the world of Exandria, it's not necessarily new, uh, but called Dunamancy, which is, kind of revolves around all of these things mm-hmm. um, and revolves around the manipulation of time. So maybe if not literal consecution, maybe Ludinus is so skilled in this set of magic that he has found a way to either stop his aging process or reverse it in some manner, or at least well, slow and, it down. And we know something happened during the start of the solstice where he seemed to like right. hold time and like manipulated time in some way. Um, yeah, that's, it's interesting. I think it, it checks a lot of boxes for me, but on the same token, it's, I feel like you don't create a villain who can control time because then it it feels like there's too many like plot holes as to like when the final encounter actually happens. It's like, why didn't they just like pause time and just like, I don't know, but but I, all I have to say, I could see him having some kind of control of time that yeah. is extending his life. But. Yeah, and it could be more like you know, not as simple as just like like literal 
master of time like Kang the Conqueror, but like he just <laughs> is able master. to manipulate it in certain ways. Yeah, and he at right. least did have to have the full power of the Malleus key, like empowered by the ley lines and the Luxon to to yeah. do that time stop that he did. Um speaking of the ley lines, uh, I think it was Imogen or someone asked the question to Matt, are the ley lines holding steady? Maybe in the conversation of um the Apogee Solstice was it seemed to be extended, mm-hmm. which I'm so freaking curious. Like what's, why is it extended? What's happening in Marquette? Um, but yeah, there was a question about the ley lines. Are they, are they holding where they were? Um, and I don't remember his answer. I don't know if you remember it either. Um, or if the answer was just like, I don't know. Um, I think they were, I think everything is, is in place where it was, even though it shouldn't be anymore. Um, which yeah, we're in a perpetual solstice now, which is very interesting. Like, I, mm. which is also at least potentially related to time manipulation. Um, but yeah, okay. One, it's crazy. I'm assuming it's 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 necessary in order to have enough time for this drill, if you will, to drill into Rudis. My question is, once that's done will it then be released and the solstice will end or is it like we are forever living in a perpetual solstice from now on i don't know very curious i'm assuming it's the former but um yeah i mean i'm wondering if like and it, it seems to be the case but like once I guess once this ends, if they can figure out a way for it to end, then resurrection magic will be back. You know, all yeah. these magics will come back. So, and speaking of like resurrection, resurrection magic, you know, we have this great scene with um, the cleric uh, leads at the Dawnfather Temple. Mm-hmm. How they're you know really freaked out, and um, it seems like the gods seem to be instead at the table a couple times seem to be running away. Um, I want to talk about the matron of Ravens because Imogen, I don't know if it was this episode or the last episode, but Imogen points out why are they wearing the like insignias of the matron of Ravens? Like what's happening here? And they also visit the temple, um, where the person like peeks out and says like, you know, she's still among us. Um, but then also it's kind of like, you know, similar to other gods, like is, is distant. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm getting at, is there a situation where the matron of Ravens is in on it in some way? I don't think so. I mean, I think that's possible, but I don't think they would have had to lure Vax. I think she would have just like willingly given a piece of her divinity to like mm-hmm. power the machine if so unless she double crossed Vax which I don't know but I mean it's possible we know that yeah I mean we know that she know was a mortal that ascended I, to godhood I know it's a huge stretch I know it's a huge stretch let me just pepe Sylvia for a second yeah what if lewdness <laughs> knew the matron of Ravens when she was human mm-hmm. and there's a relationship there in some way 
I don't know. But I'm thinking about just the, the theme of permanent death and how the Ruby Vanguard, most notably Adahan, um, one, like her niche is like permanent death, like kill someone, they're dead, can't come back. Mm-hmm. And I'm also thinking about the magics that aren't working, one of them being resurrection spells, again, permanent death. Um, and so I just kind of wonder is, is, is it possible there's some kind of double cross happening with the gods where it's, you know, just as the matron wanted to arise into godhood, you know, maybe also wants to arise over the other gods, but more importantly, wants to create permanent death. I don't know. I, it's probably mischaracterizing. I never watched campaign one, obviously. So I'm probably mischaracterizing it, but, but I do feel I do think it's odd Imogen pointing out her saying like, I, like, why are they wearing these insignias? Um, which I don't know. I don't know why they're wearing it. Yeah. Like well, why serve a God that you aim to kill? Well, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit in an earlier episode. I think there's a, there's two possibilities in my mind, not that there can't be more than these two, but one is that, you know, even though Ludinus has this plan to rid the world of the gods, he has an admiration for the matron. I mean, I think he's even said as much in part of his speech. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but because she was a mortal who took one out and ascended to its place. Like, I think he admired that and, you know, that saw the potential of what mortals could do because of that. So like, that could be that admiration could be like one reason for why the yeah, or whatever they're called, sense. you know, have her symbols. And another one could be part of the long con, if right. you could call it that, in order to lure Vax. Not that Vax, you know, was paying attention at all to what these disciples were wearing, but it could have just been part of the, the charade, oh. if you will. Yeah, um, I could see that. Uh, but that, I mean, again, not to say that there couldn't be something deeper with the matron going on. I, I think, I do think that's possible. I just don't know if I'm on that page um, myself, but I mean, she's one of the most enigmatic characters in the, the canon. We don't really know anything about her. I think Ludinus knowing her is really interesting because if what our, if what we theorize about Ludinus to be true, then he would, like he would be from around the same time. Um aside from the fact that, you know, she had her name like struck from Mm -hmm. history or whatever, you know, I don't really know like how the ins and outs of that work, but you know, no one really knows who that was. Now, is that because they're all dead or is it because there was some like, once she was a God, she made people forget or something. Um, Yeah. I will say, you know what it's, it's, it's a crazy stretch. You know, I think the other like theory that started out as like a crazy stretch was this whole lewdness um could he actually be super old like we called all of that stuff before a lot of these details came out um so if we go one for two i'm happy i'm happy with it you know so i i think there's i think there's more to unpack for sure um it'd be what yeah it'd be crazy like if if ludinus and the matron were like star-crossed lovers and this is like yeah yeah you know some plan to to get back or something um yeah i mean i'm I want to know more about just lewdness in general. We we have a we have a picture, but not like, you know, we we don't have the full story. Um, I think we're heading to a, a we've we've gotten some very lore meaty 
episodes. I think we're heading to a very lore heavy episode when they get to Malesimir. Yeah, um, I think we're going to find out a lot about kind of the stuff I, we were outlining a, a minute ago with like the the through line from from Aeor to today and how that runs through Malesimir with lewdness. And um, I'm still Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say I'm still curious about the uh Nightmare King as well if he perhaps was a Malesimir individual because they, mm. they, you know they mentioned this corruption how it like twisted things which we don't mm. uh, nightmare king might just be from the fae for all i know but if he is if he was an, an elf at some point that could be the explanation for why he is so different now um, he has plus, his features i'm pretty sure yeah and you know we know he likes to experiment so it, it didn't seem like he unless he was like doing a deception check it didn't seem like he was too in the know on lewdness's machinations which he would at least you would think he would at least be somewhat in the know if he was the one experimenting yeah. alongside him but um but it, but if they are old old roommates it would make sense why lewdness went to him in the fey yeah to help build the malleus key yeah which yeah. maybe, you know, maybe it was just they did work together, but Ludinus always, it was like a need-to-know basis, like just, yeah. you know, or lied even about what he was working yeah. on. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested to head there and I assume find out some pretty interesting things. Did you say the, did the Mighty Nine go there? No, they went near there oh. because uh, oh, okay. Caduceus lives. In the Savalier Woods? Yeah, like the corruption of the Savalier Woods, like is encroaching on his family's, like, um bro is, could we get could we get talison at the table as, as caduceus? caduceus i don't i don't think so just because <laughs> i think we could get caduceus but thus far you know matt has all like no yeah. one has ever reprised their role in that way so i would assume it's would just That's be like matt. role playing him and ashton just like peeks into the camera frame <laughs> i'm gonna but, need you to go <laughs> i do think there's there's a high like if we see it on screen or not, I don't know. But like, I'm almost certain now, which is something we talked on last episode, that um, Umahara or that bull or whatever is going to find Caduceus because the king talked about like these beasts and how they were their guardians. And like now that, you know, it's it's gone back and it's going to try to find a way to like maybe restore their home. Caduceus is the one trying to do that. And if they go into the Savalier Wood, Caduceus is like the only beacon of non-corruption there. So... I feel like that's a hundred percent happening, whether we see it or not though. Yeah. What exactly is Caduceus doing though? Like, like in, in general, being like corrupted plants and then going back and like, you know, so they in the mortar and pestle or like, what, <laughs> what are they doing? His family, the Caduceus clay. And so the clay's family has, um, farm is not the right word. I don't, I can't think of the right word, but like, uh, Okay. They have like a a, a little place um, where they, I mean, I guess somebody correct me in the comments, but I'm just going to use the word farm. It's not exactly right, but they've got a little yeah. farm and like their duty has been to like hold off the corruption in this area. Um, and then his kind of one of his like little mini quests was to find a, a reversal for the corruption. Um, they didn't, that didn't get, quote unquote salt in campaign two, but um like I've mentioned, they did find the very same corruption exploring some of the ruins of Aeor when they were there. Um okay. 
So yeah, I think that this beast, maybe they go find some of the other seven mythical beasts or whatever. Maybe they'll team up with the clays and help get that taken care of. But we may very well run into them on the way to Malaya Smear. Mm-hmm. So that would be kind of yeah. cool to see. Um, what else, my friend? Um, talk about from this episode. Well, one quick random point is that we're going to Malaysmere, presumably going to find some lore, get some more pieces to the puzzle with lewdness. Um, we did find out he was from Asilra. We don't know where the rest of the party is for certain. We have some pretty good guesses, but it would be interesting if they were in Asilra, and maybe they could get kind of the other half of the puzzle if they figure out where they are it was never confirmed they were in Taldore. that was just people's guess um yeah people just people i thought we had said they were in Taldore, and we knew there's one place that would make sense based on what matt described when they got zoinked away that's that makes sense to me um i'm not looking at it right now so i can't remember off the top of my head where it was but it was it was near Marsh I think it was near like craghammer and stuff sort of yeah, i might okay. be making that up um but it was near where the uh one of the ashari peoples were um yeah but the hishari are from asilra so that would be another interesting point if they did end up there because there could be some ashton stuff and also some I lewdness feel- stuff to me, if Asilra makes more sense because Orum, Orum, um, Chetney got his story with Oldgar, and it kind of feels like Ashton is not next up, but seems to be the most um, unexplored, I guess. Yeah, and of the three um, in that group, it seems like it would be him. But I guess it depends on where they actually are. Um, it's called the pools of Whitback was like right. the swampy near Terra and Craghammer, like okay, the swampy yeah. marshy place that we were wondering, like, could it be this? So, so yeah, that we'll see. Um, but, uh, one other thing I wanted to mention really quick while I'm going through my notes is that we know that resurrection magic doesn't work. Um, but teleportation seems to work. I'm not buying it. I think those people are teleporting away, but like they are not, it's not going smoothly. You it know, was really vague to me. I, I couldn't tell what was being said. Cause didn't they say that some people had, they had sent people away or something mm-hmm. like something, but they hadn't come back yet or something like that. Right. So it, there's no reason to lie and be like, oh yeah, we have teleporting. So yeah, there's something really weird happening there that I'm really. Yeah. I think that similar to like all the magic, it, it works in the sense that like when they use a sending spell, like they send the spell, like they say their words, it just, there's interference and it doesn't go through or whatever. So I'm thinking there people are teleporting, but they're, in terms of mechanics, there's probably like some roles that have to be made and then you may not end up where you want it to go. It may not even be possible to end up where you want to go, but yeah, they haven't come back yet because like may, I guess what they're assuming is that like they haven't finished their missions. So they haven't come back yet, but since we know yeah. message spells don't work, there's no way for these people 
wherever they end up to like send for help, you know? So right. Right. I, yeah. I'm curious to see, cause one, one, the whole point of not the whole point, but like, we'll go do this Malaya smear journey. And by the time we get back, you know, your people that teleported away are supposed to be back. Right. Right. And yeah. I think, so they're like assuming they might then get teleported by them. Um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think those people are going to end up coming back unless they just like hike back on foot from whoever they ended up teleporting yeah. <laughs> to. Uh, but I'm really curious to see if Bell's Hells attempts a teleport by some means and what, what that might lead to. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know how else they're going to get wherever they're trying to go. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I do think, I don't think the solstice is here indefinitely. I do think it will, as they come back, it will mysteriously be over and they will be able to teleport and then mm -hmm. we'll cut to the other group and their several episodes will peak in some event that ends the solstice. Mm. Doesn't mean they win, but they, something happens that ends it and that allows the group to come back together then. Yeah. Maybe hopefully all together. With no deaths. Yeah. And nothing bad's happened. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So. Um, one other quick thing that I wanted to mention was <clears throat> when talking about the fall of Malaysmere and the corruption and stuff, uh, one thing that was mentioned was, I'm trying to find my exact note on where I wrote this. I can't find it, so I'm paraphrasing. But one of the things that was mentioned was like these people that died, like couldn't pass on, and now like their twisted spirits like are still roaming or whatever. So to me, that's that. like the first data point of no resurrections. So I'm wondering yeah. if like that is where hmm. Ludinus cultivated this potential yeah. toxin that now Odin Odahan uses. Right. Um, which it's just an interesting little bullet point to this whole other discussion we're having about permanent death and stuff um yeah. very interesting yeah wow yeah i don't very know very interesting um this map of uh Tal'Dorei. i wonder is there a map of Asilra? not a, like not an official one like because okay. they've never been there well i mean they've been to vasselheim but they've never like <clears throat> you know yeah, there's never been a map that like Matt handed to the players for Asora. Yeah, okay. But there's some fan made ones. Yeah, this fan made one has um, the name of one section, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so do you think that <clears throat> the thing beneath Malaeus Mir, the font of energy, was a ley line? I don't know what that a nexus was. point. I don't know what it was. I thought that was such like an interesting detail. I actually forgot about it till you mentioned it. Um. But yeah, it lines up be. at least like, I don't know what else it would be. And maybe it's like one of these things that again, led the work to where it is today. But if it's not, I, yeah, I don't know what that is. If it is like a ley line, maybe they can ride it to the other <laughs> ley lines. I don't know. <laughs> so it beats me, but anyway, anything else, my friend? I think that's it. I think that's all I got. Okay. Uh, let us know what y'all thought about the episode and your favorite theories. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about tonight's episode. So stay tuned. 
Um, and we'll also have our next episode for Worlds Beyond Number out soon as well. So Yeah. But, yeah, for those of you that haven't checked that out yet, I would highly recommend it. Thumbnail. Thumbnail. Um, I was thinking like kind of like a like I was thinking about putting FCG and, and Frida on the thumbnail. So maybe just like, you know, like yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that a lot. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's great all right all right y'all have a good one see you guys bye